Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And if you're watching on YouTube or on my website, thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I appreciate you there too. Thanks so much. Today, we welcome James Wedmore to the podcast. James is one of my mentors and has helped me to grow my fledgling internet business by helping me to see things differently. Through James's teaching, I have come to understand that my beliefs are what will take me to my goal or hold me back, no matter what I desire in life. James has a very successful podcast called the Mind Your Business Podcast, where he helps entrepreneurs work on the most important part of their business themselves. For 10 years, he taught entrepreneurs and online business owners how to leverage the power of online video and YouTube marketing to reach more people share their message, and convert more customers. In 2016, he made a massive shift to focus on a big gap missing in the marketplace, the mindset needed for entrepreneurship. He launched a totally woo-woo podcast, the Mind Your Business podcast, and his signature program, Business by Design. Now, he helps coaches, experts, content creators, and authors not only to craft better marketing messages, but also how to ditch the hustle mentality and create success from the inside out. James has been featured on sites you've probably heard of, like Entrepreneur and Forbes, and has been uh, featured as a speaker at major industry events like Kajabi Summit. His mission is simple, show business owners how to make serious cash doing what they're good at, so all work and no play becomes all work is play. Everything he does in his business, like making videos, teaching, and coaching is fun. Anything that isn't fun, he stops, drops, or delegates. He believes one reason he hasn't experienced burnout or a plateau is because he finds the fun in everything he does. He leads with play, surfing, skateboarding, hanging out with his toddler nephew. His lifestyle is about fun in and out of the business. He wants to walk that talk every day and he invites you to do the same. So stop taking this business stuff so seriously, enjoy the ride, and create your business by design. Now, during our interview, we discussed the importance of process in scaling any business, the Wedmore Woo and what that is, how he got into manifesting and spirituality, the importance of a spiritual practice in our overall self-development, our relationship with money, where money comes from, and it's probably not what you think. Fear versus faith, the steps, exact steps to getting out of fear, and stay to the end to find out a different perspective on this whole COVID situation and how you can possibly reframe this global crisis. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcasts, where you can find the show notes, plus the links to the books and resources we mentioned in the episode. And if you're the type of person who is looking to pivot or perhaps start an online business, Check out Business by Design at https forward slash bit.ly forward slash dmgbbd2020. That's bit.ly forward slash dmgbbd2020. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for all the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast. This helps more women to find it and get the help they need during this disruption of menopause. No one should have to go it alone. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I appreciate you. Now, let's get to James Wedmore. <music> James, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. You're the second man to, uh, to come on to my podcast. The first one was a guy, a doctor who did hormones. And you're, you know, this is going to air right around the time that you launch your product. So mm -hmm. June 10th is your, is your air date. And I'm so excited that I actually came into your world because everything about my life has changed. And just, just so you understand, like when I bought your product, Business by Design, I didn't really know what I was getting in for. I thought it was a bunch of processes. <laughs> and as the owner of a multi-million dollar business, I know the importance of process. 
And I always wanted to shift and I've been trying to shift for, I would say, I don't know, 10, 12 years and just never really took that right leap. And it it was a text actually from you that moved the needle for me. Mm. And I said, I texted you and you're in the middle of the launch and you you were actually texting me back. And I said, well, what about the processes? Because I had just kind of started putting those in place in my own business. He said, I just give those to you. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, that's enough. That was enough for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, when it comes to scaling, I mean, you have to have processes in place, right? Yeah. And it's funny though, because a lot of people don't value them until they're, you know, at a, a little bit further along. Right. You know, it's funny how we notice them, I mean, depending on who you're talking to and they're like, okay, what, what about, what does that do? You know? And it's like, yeah. gosh, it's like m- most people when they're self-employed, they become self-employed usually because there's like some sort of desire to work less or have freedom or make more and work when I want, where I want, all those type of things. And then that rarely becomes their experience. Yeah. And they go like, okay, I'm working for myself now. And in most instances, they end up working more. And that's, that's really the reason why is because a business isn't a, a job it's, it's, it's a collection of jobs. Yeah, it sure <laughs> if it's is. just you, you're, you're doing all of those yourself. And then you get so attached to it. It gets all wrapped up in your identity. And you're like, how do I detach from it? How do I let go even of just these little pieces? Yeah. When someone comes around and is like, well, you know, we have a complete process or an instruction manual so that you can just go find that next person today and say, here, here's your instructions on how to succeed at this job. They're like, oh, that's amazing. And they start letting go, which, yeah. Yeah. It is nice to see that. And I mean, I would say that I, I was the person who, I mean, I, when I, I graduated residency in 2005, I started a surgical practice and that was my whole identity. I mean, that was it. And then I started to grow and I realized that number one, surgeons are really hard to manage. Number two, I hated it and it wasn't for me. And so now I'm completely leaving it. And I think that if I had it, you know, seeing that what you do is possible. I mean, you have a multi-million dollar business, almost $10 million, right? Yeah. And you just give us all your process. I just yeah. think it's crazy. I mean, you got to pay for it. You pay, you, you know, you may, you pay once, but you get all these processes. And I just think it's, I mean, it's crazy. If you're the type of person, especially who wants to, you know, start a business and, and, you know, so this is kind of like a series that we're doing on the podcast because of the COVID, you know, people have to pivot. And so I have one of my podcasts is Start Your Online Business Now. You know, Colleen is her name. And this is much more advanced. So if you really are serious about starting an online business, you know, you can go and buy Business by Design and that's going to give you all the tools you need to get started. But then watch out. <laughs> watch out for the Wedmore Woo. Uh, watch out for him. Oh, yeah. Can't hide. Can't hide. No. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, that's the thing. When, when I came into your sphere of influence, I was still pretty agnostic mm. and now i've got a full-on spiritual practice wow. and, and I'm, yeah sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. and I, don't, I don't obviously push anything on anybody and i honor everyone where they're at and and all of that because you know what michelle's kind of hinting at here is yeah james talks about some kind of like weird stuff at times like manifesting or visualizing or doing some meditations and stuff. And it's like, what does that have to do with like putting processes in your business? And where I started in my life was I was very agnostic myself and just kind of had a decision one day. I don't even remember it because my parents never pushed any type of beliefs on me. And, and so I just remember like walking the halls in high school one day and just being like, I think when you die, you're just like, you just become like dirt and darkness, you know? And I just like decided that one day and And my dad is like the hardest working person I've ever met. 40 something years in real estate and real Mm -hmm. estate itself is just brutal. And he was in his heyday, you know, he's older now, he's in his eighties. He was a top 10, like high producer every year. So that guy works his tail off. I mean, I have a specific story of like being a kid, like 11 or 12. And we're, we're surprising him with on his birthday with like breakfast in bed. And we've been working, you know, the, my mom's sister and I have been like making him breakfast and we run downstairs, like give it to him and then, like put the plate on the bed and all that stuff. And like, while he's like enjoying this special family moment, the phone rings and he like stops everything to get it. And it's like a client who like needs him on his birthday. Yeah. And you just see like the client's upset and everything. And I, I even knew at that age, 
I just yelled through the phone so that this guy would hear it. I was, I've always been a stubborn SOB and I was just like, happy birthday, dad. (laughs) (laughs) And then you could just hear the guy was like, Oh, you know, and I share that because that's where I really grew up in is this like 3d hardworking. You have to, you know, old school, you got to sacrifice everything. You know, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, work your tail off, work your fingers to the bone. If you ever want anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I approached business. I said, I, in 2007, I said, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to do, I'm going to do my own thing and I do it on the internet. And I ended up spending four years doing that. And I worked so hard. I, I, I'm like, that's not even an opinion. Like it was bad. I got addicted to Adderall, which is, you know, like speed. Yeah. And I would pop 20 to 40 milligrams a day. You know, I'd roll out of bed at eight or nine in the morning, whenever I got up, pop the 20 milligrams and go until like midnight or one in front of a computer. I dropped, I was a little overweight. I was about 220 something pounds. And in about a, I don't know, four or five month period, I dropped down to 147 pounds. I was a skeleton. I had no friends. I had to move back in with mom and dad. And I was working like that every day. I didn't take a day off and I had nothing to show for it. Absolutely. That, like, that almost sounds like adrenal fatigue too. I mean, you must have of like burned your adrenals, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, it was bad. Now I'm, I think I'm yeah. very lucky that I was in, you know, my youth, you know, this was mm-hmm. 23, 24 years old. Yeah. So I think I, you know, had some of that on my side to like, <laughs> you know, not feel the effects immediately, you know, and that, that's where my twenties went really. And I had nothing to show for it. So I, I'm the type of person that like, and I think every entrepreneur has to be where you just, you have to be committed to the thing that you're going to do no matter what. And that's what commitment is. It's like, it's no matter what the decision has been made that this is happening and it's no matter what. And, and, but I exhausted that effort. I was like, I'm confused. I've done it all. I've worked so hard. I've, I've sacrificed everything. And I literally had nothing to show for it. That's not an exaggeration. I was, I hadn't make, made a dollar. I mean, like yeah. it was bad. And so then I just started saying there has to be another way. And, you know, sometimes your entire life can turn around with a question or two, right? Like there must be a better way. There must be a different way. And yeah, that began to open me up to some of these, you know, weirder stuff, right? That I still joke around and say is really weird, like, like manifesting. And if I can share a story, the first time it like really clicked for me, because I'm very analytical. I'm very like scientist, like prove it to me, like all that right. type of stuff, right? I mean, I'm, I'm also the type of person who is very outcome oriented. I mean, I'm a surgeon, yes. you yeah. know, and so it's like, I'm always, you know, looking at like, you know, did I do that right? Did I do this right? And so mm-hmm. it's all, it all comes through that filter, but then yeah. there's this whole other side that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you start to develop a spiritual practice, whatever it is, that's, I mean, I've been on podcasts where I, where I said, you know, somebody said, well, do you have anything else you want to say? And I said, yeah, start a spiritual practice now. Wow. Just yeah. start, start something because it makes you really look at who you are. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your story, but the thing that the reason why I stay with you and continue mm-hmm. to stay in your program and, and, you know, James, you're one of my mentors, right? Is because every single time I come into somebody who's in your sphere or you, I learn something and I'm like growing as a yes. human. That's and that's it. what I love. And I yeah. want to talk about some really important implications about what, what begins to happen when you develop that spiritual practice. But I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this because all of this, I, I mean, my mom gave me a book with some spiritual stuff in it years ago, 2005, 2006. And I threw it away in front of her. I was like, I was like, this is nonsense garbage, right? <laughs> that's where I started with all of this. And that's my journey. That was my journey. So I honor anybody else's journey. Like if you're really closed off to it, like I actually really honor that because that's, that's the contrast and that's part where of you it. are. Yeah. That's where you are until you're not anymore. And that's great. That's where I was. But mm-hmm. where it all changed, I started hearing these things like just manifest it and visualize it and all that type of stuff. Oh, and that was around the time of the secret, right? Yes, this was exactly. This is 2007. Yep, yeah, 2007. Yeah. And the secret, it came out and I watched it and I was like, this is such ridiculousness. But at the same <laughs> time, there was a thought in the back of my head, like, well, what do you have to lose? You know, it's like, I can do this and work. So at that time, I was dating this girl. I really liked her. And her birthday was coming up and I knew she really wanted to go to a Tony Robbins event. Now I didn't have very much money, but I called the Tony Robbins hotline and I said, how much to go to UPW? It's in Long Beach. It's right up the road. And they said, thousand bucks, we'll get you two tickets. And I was like, can you do a payment plan? 
I'm not even joking. She laughed at me on the phone. Like, I don't even know why someone would laugh like for that, like customer service. Like she laughed at me. She's like, no, we don't, we don't do payment plans. It's a thousand dollars. I felt so embarrassed. And then this, I never forget this. So I go, okay, I'll, I'm just going to check my finances and I'll call, I'll call you guys back. I checked my bank account and I knew I had about $500 at the time. That's why I wanted the payment plan, right? So I could break it out. And I actually didn't have $500 because I had Google AdWords running at the time and I forgot to turn it off and they billed me in $500 increments. So I had, by the time I'd gotten off the phone and checked my bank account again, I had less than a dollar in my bank account. I just had pennies. And I was kind of hit with this moment of how pathetic am I that I can't even, I couldn't even get my, my girlfriend a card. I couldn't even afford a birthday card. Now I'm living at home. So, you know, everything else was paid for. So, was, you know, so it wasn't like I was freaking out. Like I, I, the power is going to turn off, but like I couldn't pay for anything. And then of course that other thought came in. I was like, well, it wouldn't hurt to just try some of this stuff out. And what I realized, and this is why I share the story with people is that I wanted those tickets and I wanted them for somebody else. That was a, that became a really big lesson later in my life is that when you focus the outcomes and desires you have on how it will help those that you care about and you make your life more about that, you just get so much power. And so I was isn't like, this is Zig Ziglar yeah. though, who said that you get help enough people get what they want. You're going to get what you want. Yes. And yeah. you know, that quote can actually cause a lot of, this is a side tangent for a moment. That quote can be so misinterpreted by a lot of people and actually cause a lot more harm than good because what people start doing is say, okay, I'm just going to care about everybody else, lose myself in the process, give away everything I do for free. And then they start to resent people and the world because it's not being returned. And part of caring about what other people want and and being of service, and it means you got to put a price tag on your stuff. You got to charge, right? You know, otherwise don't expect, (laughs) if you don't ask, don't expect to receive. And that's really important. There's nothing wrong with asking. So, Uh, But I, in this moment, I said, this is, I said, look, universe, this isn't for me. Okay. This is a moment where I get to be selfless. This is for somebody I care about. And I realized in that moment that my entire belief system was if I want something, I just, I have to work hard to make the money to have it. Mm -hmm. And that's really limiting. This is a very important thing that can be universal to all humans is that we decide something that we want and then we create this very limited focus, like almost like a circumference of a, of a radar screen of how we're going to make that happen. And the only thing I had told myself was, okay, if I want a thousand dollar tickets, I need to go make a thousand dollars. And you really want to ask yourself, is that the only way that you could have that outcome is that you have to go make a thousand dollars and you have to go work in your business a certain amount of hours and sell certain things. That's just one way. And so what, in that moment, what it allowed me to do is let go of the how. And that's why you hear me say it all the time, right? Yeah, F the yeah. how for now. And that's how it started. So I just said, you know what? It's done. I'm going to be there. I, I don't care. I know it in my heart. I can see it and I'm going to make it happen. And then I moved on. And the story is, is about two or three days later, I'm trying to work and okay, maybe I'll just sell something or figure out, you know, and two about two days later, I get a text message from an old friend I haven't heard from in a really long time. And she goes, Hey, you want to play tennis? And I'm part of me is like, no, I'm trying to make this money. I'm trying to make this happen. And at the same time, I was like, whatever, I need a break. And I'd love to do that. And so we go and we play tennis and within two or three swings of the rackets, she goes, what are you up to? What are you doing now? And I'm trying to tell her like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm starting this service. It's a video service. I create video. I want to create videos for people so I can sell them a video package and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, can I get one? And I'm like, oh yeah, of course. She goes, I'll trade you Tony Robbins tickets for it. And I literally dropped my racket and had this like, you know, lightning bolt shoot down my spine. I'm like, what did you just say? And she's like, I'm good friends with a rep a sales rep at Tony Robbins. I've got extra tickets. Would you be, and it's in town, it's Long Beach. Would you be willing to barter for me? (laughs) And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, yes, that's what I want to do more than anything. And yes, long story short, I made a video for her. It was amazing. She gave me two tickets. I went there and even my mom then like was like, hey, here's an extra little bit of money so you can have like food for you and your girlfriend and like could actually eat while you're there and gave me a couple hundred bucks. And that was, that was the first thing for me. And I know that's a really long story, but that began a deeper ex- experimentation into, you know, letting go of the how 
of Mm -hmm. opening myself up to a little bit more possibility in my life, what I call creating a margin for magic, and then backing all of that with strategy, having structure and strategy and process, and then combining that with, you know, that, that, that intention. I, I believe intention is everything. And that focus and that spirituality, it's been a really fun journey of, of growth and, and whatnot. And, it, and that's, where it, that's where it started for me. Well, you know, I like to tell my, my members, I tell them that, you know, a, a goal without action is just a wish, right? Yeah. I tell them yeah. that. And it's kind of the same thing. And I think for, for somebody like me who is very outcome oriented, letting go of outcomes has been really hard. I mean, that's, that's a big, you know, faith experiment. Mm -hmm. And with the last, the last launch that I did to bring members into the menopause movement, it was, you know what, I didn't care. I mean, it was truly, I didn't care. And that was so freeing for me because it was like, okay, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to give them a lot. I'm going to make an offer. And you know what, all I'm going to have at the end of this is data and all I have to do is tweak it. I know that something is going to happen. And, and so for me, it was, it was just very, very freeing when I got to that, that point. But it took me several years because I've been trying to do this since 2008. Wow. Yeah. That's a, and it's such a simple thing. It's almost too simple that people will overlook it. And then that's where I would just say, okay, well, you know, you can go worry your way to it. You know, right. you can white knuckle it, talk, you know, tighten your grip and, and struggle and stress your way to it and tell me how that's working out. Cause I did that. Yeah. I did that. And not only did it not work, but it's like, why, why go, why put yourself through that? It's like when you're on an airplane, I realized this, I used to have a fear of flying and it, fear of flying is really silly once you're on the plane, because no amount of fear or worry or stress is going to change anything that's going to happen. <laughs> like your fate is sealed the moment you're in there. And it's such a beautiful demonstration of, of the acknowledgement of letting go of that, that which is outside of your control. And I realized that in a moment that I could just choose to be like, I'm going to go, what's going to happen on this plane once that door closes and, and the wheels take off, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. The choice and the freedom is what, how am I going to feel and experience during that? Is this going to be a struggle for me or am I going to at least enjoy whatever happens? wow, that's life. You know, that's, that's our entire life. It's like, things are going to happen. Things are going to unfold. Like you said, you doing this since 2008, like that struggle is going to happen for everybody. Everyone's going to have some struggle because I've yet to find someone that's like, okay, I said I wanted to start a business or take my business online. And then two weeks later, I I had a million dollars and everything worked out and I never experienced a problem or a mistake. Yeah. I've yet to meet someone like that yet. Yeah. And ironically, it's the opposite. That's true is that that's why people stop is like, it didn't immediately happen. They go, Oh, it was, it, it was a failure or it didn't work instantly automatically. So I gave up. Yet we all know, we all know those truths, right? That like, mm-hmm. you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Why aren't we applying that? That's something we talk about a lot. You know, I, I spend some time helping women just really just pay attention to how they talk to themselves. Mm. And one of the things I say to them is that, you know, if you want to do something, right, you want to learn how to do something, it's worth doing badly at first. <laughs> <laughs> It'll right? be the worst, it, worst that ever yeah. goes. It's yeah. And so, it, yeah. And it's just like, you, you're never going to speak a second language, you know, unless you learn it as a child, you're never going to speak a, cir- a second language perfectly, you know, and, and if you're trying to do a new skill, it takes time. I mean, that's just totally. part of it, mm-hmm. you know? And so... And so one of the things I learned from you that I wrote down here was to, and, and I didn't know that I was going to go here with this because this is what I love about the, about doing a podcast because, because I like just having a conversation, you know, but relationship with money. Oh yeah. You know, you've got this really great, you know, mind your money. Isn't that, that's what it's called, right? Mind mm-hmm. your money. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go through this. I, I, you know, I'm multimillionaire. I'm okay. I don't, you know, bullshit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then I went through it and I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) I guess the question is, I mean, this is kind of a long way to get around to a question. What caused you to get to that point where you changed your relationship with money? Oh my goodness. It wasn't overnight. None of this is is overnight. I mean, I I reached low points and I started going, something's got to give, something's got to change. There must be something else here. You know, what really started to help was, and I'll tell you the first book that really made the difference for me, you know, I just was a voracious reader. And so when I started mm-hmm. reading these books about like energy, spirituality, manifestation, I just was hooked. 
And there was one book in particular that if someone reads this and just really adopts every word, like just soaks up every word, it's life-changing. And it's called The Little Book of Abundance. And I'm forgetting the author's name. Price. Pierce. Price. Pierce. It's either Price or Pierce. Here it is. Mm-hmm. John Randolph Okay, Price. it's just The Abundance Book, and it was little. That's yeah. okay. John yeah. Randolph it's very little. Price. Yeah, yeah. And it just gets right to the heart of it. Great book. And it starts yeah. with this, and this changed everything for me, that we have to identify the, the so we want more money. Most mm-hmm. of us do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one would say, no. would you like some more money? Most, some people say no, because they're like, money's evil, you know, money's bad, or, or people will judge me, you know, and those are some yeah. other stuff that maybe we work through at another time. But most people are like, hey, would you like some more money? And so most people say yes. And so if you're someone who said yes, the first place we actually have to start is what is the source of money? Mm-hmm. Where does money actually come from? And I've asked hundreds of people this, like we'll do surveys, we'll do posts, I'll, do cl- I'll ask clients. And 99 out of 100 people will answer incorrectly. Mm-hmm. They'll say it comes from my customers. It comes from, and they'll try and give like really smart, it comes from the economy. It, it comes from the Fed, you know, really smart answers, right? It comes from my offers. And when you apply a spiritual context, you get a deeper and what I believe a more truthful and more powerful answer. And it comes from, and whatever helps you, you can use any word you want that works for you, but it comes from that higher power, that source whether you call that God, your higher source, the universe really, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Yeah. You know, it's just different perspectives and different words and labels. But when you start to get present to that, that that's where it comes from, you then get to another question that says, how much of that supply of money is available? <laughs> the answer is always infinite. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, if and, infinite if there's infinite source, then there's infinite money, right? I mean, that's exactly. that's how it is. And and we know that. I mean, during this yeah. time, how much money is just being automatically printed right now? But that's another oh, story. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that COVID has been very I mean, we can we can talk about COVID in a minute, but I mean, for me, financially, because I have a big business, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been it's been great. And yeah, you know, a lot of that's gonna get forgiven. And I mean, I don't know if you did a PPP loan, but yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, we oh, got I mean, how, how can you not say yes to good for free money? I mean, right. And, yeah. you know, yeah, we won't get into the downside of that. Some people make a really good argument that when you pump that much into the supply that you run the risk of some massive inflation or devaluation of the dollar. But it might happen. It might happen. Yeah, exactly. But that's, you know, that's really not where we were going with this. What, mm-hmm. what we're going with this is like, even during this time where you literally have an economic shutdown of anything non-essential. And it's tragic. And, and again, I'm not making light. Like most people live, this is a side tangent. Most people live in black or white, A or B. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if I say some of the things I'm going to say, it doesn't negate the fact that there's over, what was it? Like, you know, 20 million Americans filed for unemployment, a massive we amount. We have the highest unemployment ever in the history of the country. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Worse than the Great Depression. I mean, it's right? so high. It's so high up that the, it's, the, this, it's off the scale. Right. So, it's, I mean, it's bad. Me saying what I'm about to say does not negate what is and doesn't mean I can't hold the most unbelievable amount of compassion and just like actually pain in my heart for what most people are experiencing. Okay. And so it's very easy for people to be like, oh my gosh, you don't care about what about all the people that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, exactly. What about all these people? And they need to hear this the most because I'm in this little town of Sedona, Arizona right now. And it's a tourist town. People's, everyone is small business. There is no big business in Sedona. Okay. Other than a couple of hotel chains, but there's two fast food restaurants and then that's it. There's no, there's no Walmart here. There's none of that. It's all mom and pop mm-hmm. and it's a tourist town and it's 10,000 people that live here and 6 million tourists a year. And imagine going from 6 million down to zero. I mean, the town shut down. I mean, I, I went to the bike shop and he said this week alone, we had to can- just this week, one week, $20,000 in bike rentals and reservations. Week. Yeah. He's like, that, this is our whole business is this little t- time, this three month time gone. And that, you know, so this is, this is really tragic and I feel for him. So I bought a bike, you know, I don't know if you're watching my stories or anybody watching my stories. No, no. I'm, I bought his, I just bought a bike. Yeah. 
I'm like, well, are you selling any of these since they're not going to get rented? And he's like, dude, any cash we can get is going to be great. I'm like, great. I'll take that one. You know, and the local pizza guys are like, no one comes in anymore. And you know, you got to wait in your car and they hand it to you. And like, here's a hundred dollar tip. Right. So like, it really hurts me. And, and the town is already open back up right now, which just, just, I go in every store I go into, mm-hmm. I make, cause I like, I like to make a scene. I'm kind of a weird person like that. And I'll just walk <laughs> in and I'll be like, congratulations for reopening. Yay. And I'll like start applauding or making That noise. doesn't sound like an introvert. No, no that's another story. Wait until you, wait until I know, you I, my next. I, I heard a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> so, so despite all of this, which sucks. Yeah. If you were to get to the truth and it will resonate with you of where money truly comes from, that money comes from, your source, the your God, you know, your connection to, right. to a divine higher power. The real question you got to ask is during a time like this, when, it, when everything else is on shutdown, is that source also on shutdown? Is that divine power also in fear and limitation and lack? And if you answered yes, it's because you're in your head. But if you really like got present to that, you'd know that, that'd be so silly, right? That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. not true. Yeah. And that is why, my friends, that in every economic downturn, every crisis, everything, there are people, despite what the, the masses experience, there are still people that find infinite wealth, riches, and opportunities. It, and it's as simple as this, because they kept their connection to that source. I agree with you there. And, and I think that connection with source is so important. And also, you know, right now there's more, more people are online than ever. And so if, you know, mm. now is the time, if you were ever thinking about pivoting oh, yeah. to online, it's time to go and do it badly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> because it right now, yeah, you know, yeah because, because, you know, if, if you want, if you're somebody who was, has been thinking about going and starting an online business, now is the time to do it because there's more people just there's, you know, and when everything opens up again, people are going to have to go back to work or not. You know, we, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you a little bit about that going forward, but right now is the time. And if, you know, I mean, you buy business by design, you don't buy business by design, you still try to go um, online because you're, I don't think you're ever going to have as big an audience as right now. Right. You know, it's the well, best time to really build something. And, and let me really stress upon this point because it's, I think it's so important. So what do I mean by these people that have stayed connected versus haven't? Mm-hmm. When, when you're in fear, and I know it's easy to be in fear, so I'm not like, you know, shaming anybody for that. But we have to remember that fear is not real and people think it is. And then people justify it and say, danger can be real, but fear is always a choice. That's what fearless is about. That's what being courageous is about. And not most people aren't. Like, let's just, this is the truth. You just look at most people. Most people are not living an extraordinary life. They don't want to live an extraordinary life, or maybe they do, but not badly enough. You know what I mean? And most people aren't, don't have that courage. They have it. Sorry, they're not accessing it. Most people aren't choosing to be fearless. And so it's easy to be afraid during this time. It's easy. I, I had my moments you know, sure. it's like, oh my gosh, like what is, I mean, we've canceled and postponed six events and that's a lot in this short yeah. amount of time. And so you're dealing with, oh my gosh, what's going to happen and how's this going to work and how the money we've lost from deposits, they wouldn't give back to us, which I won't even get into that, all that type of stuff, right? I was lucky. Um, I got my deposit, but I had to cancel a live event. I got my deposit. They just yeah, there was, me there the was, other day. I was I so surprised. I won't name the national, the, the hotel chain, but I'm like, I can't believe I think you I know right already. Now. Yeah. It's like, that's awful. Yeah. That's it's like, it wasn't our choice. It's not like we wanted to cancel it. We're forced to, I mean, like why penalize us? But you know, they don't want to be penalized either. So I, but, get I mean, it. I had to cancel, a, I, like, I think I had to cancel three or four plane trips, you know, cause mm-hmm. I live in New York and I was supposed to come to California for your event. I was supposed to go to Austin for another event and I did not get my money back from the airline. They yeah. just, they kept it and, you know, it's, and that's the way it is. is. A credit and, at least or? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, as a yeah. credit. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of people that have moved themselves away from faith, yeah. courage, trust, abundance, possibilities, their outcomes, and the fear. Mm-hmm. And when you're in fear, all you've done is you've moved your attention, your, your awareness, your consciousness to an un- manifested future that is something you don't want to happen. That's all that we've done. Right. And what you think think about expands. 
and yes, what you exactly. think about expense. Exactly. And, yeah. and the thing is, is we think that if we fixate on what hasn't happened yet and worry about it, that that will somehow give us some sort of control over it or safety or assurance, but it just directs your life in that direction. And I'm going to give this example so that people really get this because as soon as this happened, as soon as all this came down the pipeline, it was about a week, maybe less, after I closed escrow on my second property that I purchased out here to be set up as a short-term rentals. So let me ask you guys, do you think the vacation industry, the travel industry has been infected, impacted at all by what's going on? Of course it is, right? And so here I am, I spent over $1.2 million buying real estate and I'm just closing the day, the week this happens. Mm-hmm. And my friends and people start reaching out to me and they're like, are you okay? Are you freaking out? And I actually came out to Sedona and I just start laughing. I was like, no, not at all. What? Are you serious? And I go into these Facebook groups for these Airbnb people. Right. There's, there's like these Facebook groups, like 20,000 Airbnb hosts. They are losing their effing minds. And then I'm watching in Sedona because I watch the real estate markets like crazy in the areas that I'm interested in. And all of a sudden, all these, this is really important. All these hosts are either selling the home. They're just ditching it and trying to sell it. Or they've switched it to a long-term rental. And a long-term rental here is a 12 month lease where you're maybe going to make three to $600 a month in cash flow. But this market in Sedona is about a three to, depending on when you bought and how much you bought and all that stuff, three to five X multiplier on your mortgage, which means it's very cash flow positive with the, when you do the short term and people are ditching that and then locking themselves into these low profit margin, 12 month rentals. Right. Why? It's a combination of two things. Okay. And it's not to shame people or beat people up. This is to serve as examples of the choices that we have moment to moment. Number one, they're making decisions from fear. And I don't need to tell anybody here what happens if you keep making decisions from a place of fear in your business. You're not going to go very far. If anything, it's going to take you backwards. So that was them. They're saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And they made a decision like, uh, from fear, like ditch the property or switch it to a long term and now I'm not going to make any money from it. And then it's, when this all comes back, and I'll get to the happy ending in a moment, I'm not happy ending for these people, but for everybody else that weathered yeah. the storm. And now they can't go back. Now they have a 12-month tenant in, right? So, the, But the other piece of it too is to understand that all of us should be, there's another piece of just being smart. <laughs> like if something, you know, if you don't have a rainy day fund, like this isn't what the point is and topic of this episode, but like for those that like just are smart with their money and, you know, it's like this, you know, hope for the best, know for the best, expect for the best, but also be smart enough to prepare for the worst. There's a great quote that says, you know, you can have all the faith and and I'm going to botch it, of course, like have all the faith in the world, but you still tie up your camel, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You still tie up your camel. I mean, but we're not, listen, we're not prepared as a general rule, as a society. We don't, we do not, yeah, we do not prepare. I mean, if we live in America, Okay, so let's just talk to Americans and and Western, you know, people in the Western world. We are programmed from birth to be consumers. Yes. Right? And Mm -hmm. so we're taught that that what's best is to have more, not to Mm -hmm. be more. Right? And so what we have to do is, you know, as part of our spiritual practice is to start to realize that we are enough as we are. Okay. And then, you know, what we get is more of a reflection on how, you know, how, how our spiritual relationship is and not so much on who we are, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah, I know. We should, we should really change from being a consumer to just an investor, <laughs> you know? Well, that'd be great, but that's that not how we're great. taught because right. if, if we weren't sheep, yeah. we wouldn't be able to be, what is the word I'm looking for? Corralled into, right. right? I mean, that's, I don't mean that in any way a derogatory in that, you know, but we have to wake up. And, and yeah, this leads and I mean, us, I like, think, to a good thing about COVID, right? Oh, completely. A hundred percent. I mean, and, you know, the funny thing is, is like, 
even some of the things that we talk about, like people start thinking it's like a conspiracy or something. It's like, wait a second, if you've spent one day in marketing, you know, you know, because I went to, I went college, I, I, my emphasis was in advertising. So it was, it was PR and advertising in the film department. So it was about being part of commercial TV, commercial advertisements. Mm-hmm. And so I learned and did studies after case studies on, on the most infamous ad agencies and stuff throughout time. Where do they start with? How do we convince people that they need this product? Right? It's not a conspiracy or anything. It's that's where we start with is like, how do we com- convince people that smoking is cool? You know, that it will get you more ladies or whatever, right? Like we know that that's been done throughout time. If people didn't just stop doing it, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I love buying stuff. I like money. I like, I like my gadgets and, and stuff too, but I think it's just about being aware of it. I just being mm-hmm. aware. Like, are you, you know, are you trying to fill a void with things or, you know, spending because you think you're supposed to, or you're trying to impress somebody like your neighbor, your brother-in-law or something, or because you're like, I just, I just desire this thing and I'm going to go get it. You know, like I bought a Jeep out here and I'm like, I love it. I'm like, I'm a Jeep person now. This is so much fun. Right? <laughs> you're a Jeep person was, when you're in Sedona. <laughs> right. But that's also a big deal too. It's worth saying is because I had a Tesla, a hundred and something thousand dollar Tesla. And I traded yeah, in this I have Tesla, a Tesla. For, for, for a Jeep, you know? And I'm like this, the Tesla was more for others you know, and the Jeeps for me. Right. And knowing those differences, I think is, is, is really important. But the, the end of the story before I forget <laughs> is <laughs> a lot of people freaked out with their air in this Airbnb world. Right. And I didn't for a moment, I didn't for a moment because number one, I knew like, even if this was a, a 12 months, I'd be fine with the mortgages. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have any impact. So I could weather that storm. And I think it's important to keep that in mind for us. But number two, I knew, I knew it would come to an end. And where do you think people would want to go? Sedona. Long story short, as of the recording of this, if you don't mind me sharing, is May 22nd. Yeah. I put up the listing a week ago and I'm booked two and a half months out. Solid. Solid. And you know, that's just like, the point of that story is to begin to be mindful and create an awareness around when we make decisions and take actions from a place of fear versus faith. And when you really understand where is the source of money coming from, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to do that. And yes, pivot. Yes, there's changes coming. Yes. But that doesn't pinch off your connection ever unless you choose to. And I've noticed myself make changes and pivots over the years and then boom, you know, it's like, Hey, I just found myself in the right place at the right time, time and time again. Well, isn't it Vishenakiani who says that your luck improves, right? He (laughs) calls it, he calls it bending, bending reality. But as you get more in in line, then you're, you just start being more lucky and it's not so much luck as it is maybe intention or alignment. I think people from the outside, they see it as luck and you're like, yeah, no, like people yeah. say like, it's not, that's crazy. It's like, not anymore. It isn't you right. Know? Like well, here's yeah. an example. Like even just, I love sharing these Airbnb stories. I hope you don't mind, but no, it's fine. we, I needed someone to manage the properties cause I didn't want to do it for me for myself. I didn't want to do it. I don't have time to do that. So I just put that out there and I said, I know I'm going to find the right person. And it's going to happen, you know, and we're getting towards the end. One's almost ready and we still haven't found one. And then I'm watering the garden one day and the neighbor comes out within three minutes, I'm like, she's like, what do you do? I try to explain. It's hard to explain what I do, right? <laughs> what we do. And then I'm like, what do you do? And she's like, well, actually I'm here because this is my sister's place and I'm managing her Airbnb. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, you looking for more? She's like, yeah, now she's my, she's my manager. I mean like, boom. And it's like, that's not even yeah. weird to me anymore. You know, it's just like that, that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that can happen. Yeah. That can be your daily experience. And when it you start applying be. that in business, that's pretty awesome. So, just to get back, I want to circle back to the fear. If somebody is stuck in fear, mm-hmm. what is your recommendation to help them get out of it other than- Yeah, step number one is to acknowledge the fear. Okay? okay, like when you start to recognize it, you create separation because you become the observer of it. Mm-hmm. You go, I am, I have been, I am experiencing, I've really been in this place of fear. So then, then it's really like, who is the person that's recognizing that you've been in fear, right? That's a really yeah. kind of- sends you on a rabbit hole and who am I? What am I? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Who am I? And who am I? Am I the observer of the fear or am I the fear? And it's like, well, you're both. Am I the voice or am I? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The observer of the voice. Uh Uh-huh. So that's always step one. You know, the more awareness and presence you can create in your life, the more 
you know, miracles and magic's really going to unfold. Step number two, I always invite people to say, or to look, take actually, this sounds so counterintuitive, but it's like the Chinese finger cuffs, right? The Mm -hmm. people try and pull their fingers out and it keeps you more locked. You go in and you free yourself. So I actually encourage people to take that picture of, or feeling of fear and go to the worst case scenario. What is the worst thing that's going to, what are you really afraid of? And then what do you think is really going to happen? And what's the worst thing that can happen? And when you, when you really face it in your mind first and get present to it, what tends to happen, not to spoil the ending for you when you do this, is you tend to realize like, it's not really that bad. Yeah. We've made it worse in our head. And when you shine a light on it and get it a little bit more clear, you're like, I can recover. I'll be fine. It'll be okay. It's not the worst thing. It doesn't matter. Because you know, one of my mentors told me this, and this is so important and so powerful. He says, the most powerful place to work from is zero. Zero. Mm. Because that's where we all started. Yeah. The thing is, is what, what, what we do is we go out there and we start something and we create this fear of what if this doesn't work? I don't think this is going to work. It's not going to work. What if I waste my time, my money, my energy? And then, of course, for those that keep going and it works because your like success me. is inevitable, <laughs> like you, then what yeah. we start to do, which is I did this, is we swap out that fear of what if this doesn't work because now it's worked and we replace it with right. a new one, which is what if this doesn't last? What if it all comes crumbling down? What if I lose it? What if I have this money and I get a mortgage, but then I, six months from now, the business crumbles and I can't pay the mortgage, right? And so we're just going from these what if, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, fear, 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 fear. And wherever you're at in your life right now, if you took stock of what you have from your family to the home, you know, the roof over your head, the car and whatever it is, you created that. Like that's you, like you did that. And you know, one of the biggest lies we've all been told, which is why it is really powerful to have a spiritual context. But one of the biggest lies we've been told is that we're not powerful, that we aren't the creators of our life, that life is this thing that just happens to us. And some people just get lucky. And that's so nonsense, right? No one who, anyone that you say, well, he or she is just lucky will say the same thing about themselves. They don't say that. That's you that says that. That's not what they say about themselves. When you really ask them, like some people do it from a place of humility, like, oh, I'm just lucky, I guess. But when you really ask someone that has, you know, that full and complete and that rich life, they go, this isn't luck. You know, this is an accident, right? And so when you take full stock of your life and what you have right now, you created that. And at one point that was a zero. Yeah. And so if you create it and then we're afraid things are going to get taken away, there's a lot of attachment there. But the fact that you've created what you have now always means you can create that again. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, again, yeah. we have that capacity. And I just wanted to, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, no, you're I, just, you're I wanted to tell a quick story. I don't know if you know this, but my son, when he was 21 months, had cancer. Mm. And so you talk about the, you know, going to the worst case scenario. And so that's actually exactly what I did, not knowing. I mean, I didn't really have much of a spiritual practice then. I mean, he's 27 years old now. But I did. I was like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? All right. The worst thing that could happen is he could die. All right. So that's just, and, and I just, and that's kind of like where I went from. And so I didn't live in fear. I did have anxiety. It, it gives but, you an opportunity to kind of like accept one yeah. possible future. Yeah. And when you accept that, as a possibility, it begins to lose a little bit of its charge, right. which means as soon as you accept it, it's not calling for your attention all day, every day, which means you won't be dwelling on it all day. Like you'll just know it. Yep. That is also, that is one thing that absolutely could happen undeniable. And if that's what happens, that's what was meant to be. That's what the plan was. That's what's supposed to happen. And, and I accept that. And now you won't be spending 23 hours of your day being hooked by it and keep going back to it. And you get a little and letting bit go of the outcomes. Like we go yeah. back to letting go of outcome, which exactly. is so important. Yeah. I did before we end, I wanted to get mm-hmm. because <laughs> because you have such a unique take. I wanted to just hear. I mean, I'm a doctor. I worked in the hospitals with the COVID. COVID's bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a really bad disease. We don't know how to treat it. We're starting to learn a little bit. And the social distancing has kept down 
the number now. So we're, we're, you know, I think as New York goes, the, the country's going. And so New York is, you know, we were flattening the curve and that's all great and everything, but it's scary. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is, this goes back to the fear, but you have a different take on it. And I just wanted to see if you could talk briefly or not about, <laughs> <laughs> about your view on COVID and how it's a, a, a reset. And I mean, I kind of see it the same way. Yeah. I mean, and it's not that it's a different view. It's finding the good in this. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's not a different view in the sense that it's an opposing view. And I think that's the important thing is like, we can hold multiple perspectives. And this is what's most important is that people get into their stuff and their perspective. And then what's caught, what's the hardest right now is they're causing it's, they create a lot of hatred for others and a lot of division for others that don't agree or don't hold the same perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing we can do. That's the worst virus is the anger. Yeah. The fear and the division that we create amongst ourselves. You know, that to me is, is obviously heartbreaking, but what Michelle is speaking to that I've seen from a spiritual context is it, it is absolutely an opportunity for those that are resonating for it, for a spiritual awakening, for a spiritual up-leveling on massive levels. Because at its core, what is happening is a lot of stuff is being shaken up. And for what individuals are experiencing is things that they have to say no to on so many levels, things that they can't do anymore, aren't doing anymore on so many levels are things that maybe aren't serving them, weren't serving them, or they can really start to question. And this is like a pause. I mean, it's a pause for the earth, for mother earth, you know, like less flights and less driving and all that stuff. And, you know, it's a nice little reset for, for nature. People are, you know, posting all those pictures about the skies are cleaner and, you know, that, and that's beautiful, right? So this is about looking for the good and finding the good in this, because if, if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, then you know, it's going to be really hard to help bring other people to that light. And so we all need to be, you know, as I've been saying, like, get back on our horse so we can help other people get back on, on theirs. And so what you do have is people are pausing. And so all these other drama things that have happened throughout my lifetime, they, even things like 9-11, they happen and people just go back to work. I mean, I remember having a job when 9-11 happened, I was still in high school. I just remember going to work and everyone just went back to work. Like We took like a day or two off or something and then people just went back to work. Yeah, I didn't get any time off. Yeah, exactly. I was a, I was a resident, you know, I was a resident in New York. <sighs> wow. Yeah. I and, watched the towers burn oh from, my from, my, from my hospital. Yeah. That's just nuts. And then we went back to work. And work is very easy and powerful distraction, mm-hmm. right? You just stay busy on your work. And that could be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. You know, you can, you can be going through like a relationship issue and maybe you just need a little distraction, but prolonged distraction of anything is like, you know, what, re, what you resist persists. Like if you ignore something long enough, it's going to get pretty bad. And what I'm getting at is like, this is the first time as a larger collective that we've had one of these things happen on the planet where we've also by and large, the vast majority of people have had to pause themselves and stop. And oh, not since 1918. I mean, the, the right, exactly, flu. exactly. Yeah. In my lifetime, so, for sure. Right, in our lifetimes. I mean, you know, almost everybody who witnessed the Spanish flu is dead. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You, you know, you would expect that because it's over 100 years ago. So it's impacting people on so many different levels because right. people really have to just stop and process they have to reflect so much is, of their life is changing and it's so beautiful. And this is part of my perspective and, and, you know, people don't like this, but it's part of your spiritual growth is, is pain is a blessing yeah. and we spend our lives trying to avoid it. But pain is a blessing because it's in these moments of pain where we grow. Pain forces us really to pay attention. You know, pain, even physical pain, like putting your hand on the stove you know, and it's lit, obviously, in this example, like, <laughs> if it felt good, you wouldn't take your hand away, and then your flesh would melt off, right? And so it's serving us as like a, hey, pay attention, and emotional pain, you know, even like fear and worry, that's pain. 
That's emotional pain. And when it gets bad enough, hopefully we'll pay attention. And so that's what's happening. So many more people are paying attention at the things that matter in their life. Maybe they're questioning, maybe, maybe I was unhappy at my job. Maybe, maybe I was working too much. Maybe I was, I was passing up my kids growing up and I, I wasn't even present for them. And now I am. And this is the life I want now. And, and for everyone, it's been different. For everyone, it's been different. I've talked to so many people and everything that they're going through is different. But the one common thing is that their growth their evolution has accelerated at an unprecedented rate at, during this time. For those that have embraced it, you know, those that are chosen like, I'm going to use this time for good or I'm going to find the good or I'm going to find a way to grow. So people are, yeah, people are growing spiritually. You know, they're, they're waking up to their own power. They're waking up to what's important and what matters in their life. You know, and they're even starting to question things, you know, yeah. like just questioning what is good health. And, and how can I take care of myself and my family? I mean, my sister started growing an herb garden in her backyard. She's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my family because she has two little cute kiddos and I'm going to take their health to a whole new level. We're going to boost our immunity. We're going to eat healthier. We're going to eat better. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to rely on so much on going out and eating, you know, high, you know, fat and sodium, you know, meals that you're going to get at a restaurant. That's freaking beautiful. So, you know, I always look for the good in everything. And that doesn't make me a positive thinker. I think that people want to judge people as like, oh, you're like Pollyanna or positive thinker or whatever yeah. as, as yeah. bad. What you're referring to is someone who is ignoring or denying what is. And I don't ever want to do that. It's not burying your head in the sand to what is. Like mm -hmm. what is is what is. And we can't deny it. Like the country got shut down. This thing is, you know, spread. It's killed the amount of people that it's killed. It's infected the amount of people. That's what is. It's a choice to choose to also see where good lies in all of this, yeah. where opportunity is. And that's been my experience in life as soon as I developed a spiritual context. There is good in everything that happens. There is always some good in something, in everything. And it's not always easy to find, but you, know, you didn't always sign up for easy. So if you take the time... Yeah, no, I, I have to completely agree with you on that. And I have a little thing on my computer. This is what is the opportunity in this. Mm. Totally. That, you know, that is, I'm always looking for an opportunity. And, and I, I mean, there was a tragedy that happened. One of my surgeons who worked for me actually tragically uh, died by suicide in November. And that was a shock to everyone. And I had the ability to kind of pivot through that. And it kind of confirmed that I was ready to leave medicine, right. <laughs> you know, right. but it's just, you know, and, and, and even with that, with it being as tragic as it was, I still said, what is the opportunity in this? Mm -hmm. you know? And anybody who would get maybe triggered or disagree with anything we have to yeah. say here about finding a good <laughs> anything, you know, yeah. go, go talk to Victor Frankl, you know, man's search for meaning I know, because yeah. that's the ultimate of it. You know, it's like, that's a great book. I love that book. It, it is. And everyone yeah. should read that. And if he endured what he did and created the meaning that he created, you know, and Yes, what we're going through sucks, but it's nothing in comparison to that. That's nothing. That's years of just some of the worst Torture. stuff that I can't even, you know, fathom yeah. and still found the good in that. Like it's that sad. and that's so that's so beautiful. And 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 you know, I learned long ago, and this is this is the true freedom that we have is to realize that, you know, nothing means anything except the meaning that we give it. Yes. And that really is our free will and our choice that no matter what's happening, no matter what has happened no matter what our circumstances is, we still have complete 100% freedom to choose. What am I going to make this mean? How will this you know, define me? What does this say about what's possible? Where is the good in this? You know, it's those that keep asking those questions and, and seeking those answers that not only do they get through this, but they thrive. Right. You know, you know nothing has meaning except for that I give it. That's, that's one of Jim's sayings, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I... I think that's a good place to stop. Mm, always. <laughs> a great place to stop. Wow, Jim. Jesus, that's great. Thanks. Thanks so much, James. Yeah, thank you. Now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at menopausemovement.com or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. Here at the Menopause Movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. 
we regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. To get notified of our next beta group, simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. And thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. I appreciate you. Thank you.